Listen and follow the Left Wing Rugby podcast with me, Will Slattery and Luke Fitzgerald. As far as I can see, I always want to get in the Irish team. And that should be every young player's dream and ambition in this country. And if you're playing in a place where you're not going to get the opportunities in the big games, that they're the ones that get you picked. They are the ones, the Champions Cup games are the ones that get you picked. You need to be playing in a team and starting in a team for those games. It's as simple as that if you want to play in the Irish team. Every week on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranla, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull, that's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm Not Here to Hurt You, a brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now wherever you get your podcasts. Their game plan, you know, is Donegal-esque, going back to 2011, 2012. It was like Back to the Future, really. I remember that day in Crow Park in 2011 when the crowd started to boo, when Dublin were playing Donegal, you know, and that's the way Rory Gallagher has set up his team. Illness on Ulster Brain Day is such a set, and then... Geez, for the game, that the way it sort of transpired, like the first 10 minutes was just so destroying. Well, it was a very busy weekend of football action as the provincial championships reached their conclusion, and there was a stark contrast between the finals on Saturday and Sunday. Yesterday, Galway won a first Connacht title since 2018, while Derry earned their first Ulster crown since 1998 after beating Donegal in extra time. But it was a different story on Saturday as Kerry and Dublin romped home in their finals. Welcome to the Throne Podcast. Will Slattery here as always. And in just a minute, we will be joined by Kieran Whelan and Dick Clergan to look back at all the weekend's provincial final action. But first, Michael Verney is here with me. And Michael, I know you were on Talchon Cup duty over the weekend. And we chatted last week about it, how maybe the kind of first two games didn't really catch fire. Did you get a sense that maybe it built a bit more momentum over the weekend? Yeah, I think so, Will. Yeah. Um, and if you look at, you know, two of the provincial finals that we're going to go into detail uh, on later in the show weren't were non-events really, they weren't competitive. Whereas if you look across a broad range of Talchon Cup games, they were, you know, the margin of victory was quite small. They were competitive games. I was chatting to, to Gary Duffy, the, the Wicklow Joint Manager yesterday. They were beaten by Offaly, obviously, but he said, like we, when we drew Waterford, we went down there knowing and thinking that we could win. When we drew Offaly, it was going to be a tough game, but we thought we could, we thought we could win. And that's the, I suppose that's the beauty of a second tier competition for teams in Division 3 and 4, that no matter who you play on a given day, you feel like you have a great chance. Like That's that's really it. It's the same as playing in Division 3 or Division 4. Really, anybody can beat anybody on a given day. And the results had kind of showed at the weekend with a few upsets, particularly, obviously, Carlo beating Tipperary. And I'd say Leitrim, Leitrim beating Antrim was also an upset too. So um, the proof was in the pudding over the weekend. And I just I think the attitude towards the competition seems to be very, very positive. Yeah, because I, I was just reading the quotes from the various players and managers who seem to be, you know, talking positively about it. For someone who was there kind of actually in person talking to them, like, did, were they giving that positivity off, you know, in, when you were actually kind of listening to them? Yeah, totally. Yeah, John Mahan was very positive about it. Um, from an awfully point of view, 
Uh, we've uh, obviously a load of under 20 All-Ireland winners from last year. Like The Talton Cup is the perfect foundation for them to get championship football and get road tested over the next couple of years and then hopefully win it, not maybe this year, uh, maybe not, maybe next year, the year after, and then get up get up into the to the first tier again. He was very positive about it. Gary Duffy was very positive about it as well. And I think that the general team is like, this is where we are. We If we were good enough to play in, this, in the Sam Maguire, that's where we would be. You know what I mean? So you have to kind of earn it too. And I, that seems to be the general vibe, you know, as um, as journalists, a lot of the time, bad news travels faster and you want people to say X, Y and Z and give out or this is a farce or whatever. But that's not been the general opinion. The general opinion has been very, very positive. Probably about 1500 in O'Connor Park yesterday, which is which isn't bad, to be fair. Uh, and the draw was obviously made this morning. Often you have New York and would be highly fancied to get to a semi-final where that would be a televised game. So that's a nice carrot there as well. Also, the All-Star system at Talchon Cup level is another little carrot as well, because say what you like about individual awards, but when you're playing away from, you know, front and centre of, you know, a big Leinster final or a big All-Ireland semi-final or final, those are nice little accolades for players to get. Um, and it's something maybe uh, for, you know, teams in those lower tiers to aim for in particular as well. Now, as you say, good to see the kind of first big weekend of action, get a, get a good bit of coverage in the newspapers and uh, people talking about it a lot. And as you say, that's televised semi-final. Uh, doubleheader, I think, in a couple of weeks' time will we'll certainly give it a bit more exposure. But now we're going to turn our attention to the provincial finals. We're delighted to have Dick Clerken and Kieran Whelan here with us. And Dick, I might go to you first. Derry winning their first Ulster title since 1998. Great scene to the final whistle. But overall, what did you make of the spectacle? It was it was disappointing overall. Like, it- I was really, like I, as someone who lives beside Clonus, grew up going off to final days, you know, big occasions at Clonus were always sort of the, it was the highlight of the year when I was growing up, you know, whether Monaghan was involved or just seeing the colour and, and, and all that goes off to final day in Clonus and, and having not had that for the last number of years with COVID and, you know, last year, so you're really looking forward to it. And I brought the boys and, you know, as, as expected going in on match day, it was the, the traffic jams and the, you know, the huge crowds and, and the pre-match atmosphere. So it was a great colour, beautiful day. You couldn't have asked for a better, you know, and, and Clonus on Ulster final day is such a setting. And then, geez, for the game, that the way it sort of transpired, like the first 10 minutes was just so destroying. Like literally there wasn't a point scored in the first 10 minutes, hardly a shot taken. And all, all the energy and pre-match atmosphere was just really just sucked out. And it, in truth, it rarely got going. There was a few times you thought that might break out into a game, especially after Derry scored the goal, you thought, all right, might be a bit of a game now, Dummy God have to come out. But really, it's hard to say at any given bar the last couple of minutes of, of extra time was any sustained atmosphere. And it was just really disappointing because of what it could have been as a, as a spectacle in an atmosphere. Yeah, Kieran, because you don't want to be, you know, too critical on, on given Derry's big achievement. They haven't won an Ulster title in so long. There was unbelievable scenes at the final whistle. We might touch in a few minutes on the job Rory Gallagher has done to get them to this point. But at the same time, as Dick mentioned there, you know, we were expecting so much more of it as a spectacle. And it did seem to dominate the kind of the discourse online anyway, it was just how disappointing the game it was. Yeah, like I'd say this in this morning, the Derry, Derry crowd won't give two hoots, you know, there it's a piece of history for them. You could see after the game, what it meant to them. And, you know, the, the, the facts will show that uh, Rory Gallagher has built a team to take out Tyrone 
Monaghan and Donegal yesterday, uh, and they won't care how they got there. Um, and yeah, listen, I I wouldn't disagree with, with Dick. It was it was a hard watch yesterday at times, and 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 particularly, obviously, I was watching it in RT studio, so you couldn't get that sense of the atmosphere and how the crowd are engaging on it sometimes because the colour and the to see Clonus full and to see a provincial ground full was 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 a, was a brilliant spectacle. But um, obviously, that feeling was on the ground that it was it was a dour affair, and I think. I think a lot of people predicted that was the way it was going to be. Um, I think the way Derry have approached their game plan, you know, is Donegal-esque going back to 2011, 2012. It was like back to the future, really. I remember that day in Crow Park in 2011 when the crowd started to boo, uh, when Dublin were playing Donegal, you know, and that's the way Rory Gallagher has set up his team. And, you know, you could be critical of Donegal for maybe not having a cut. Uh, they were fearful maybe of getting caught uh, in the in, in, in the Derry defence and getting turned over and getting caught in the counter-attack. The early goal, I think, probably set them back even more conservative-wise. And they were happy just to try chip away and wait for their opportunities. And they put themselves in a, in a match-winning position by getting a point ahead. But they, they didn't never really, really pushed on. On. And um, I think probably what some what summed it up was I think there was four minutes left in normal time, and you you really got a sense that both teams were nearly happy to go text to time. You know, like there was there was nobody maybe showing a bit of ambition to say we'll take we'll take a risk, we'll have a go. No one wanted to make that mistake, uh, and they were actually nearly happy to get to extra time, which I don't think I've seen in a Gaelic match before, being honest. And Donegal came. Donegal didn't have the legs for extra time, like, and that's. Yeah, I'd say from a Donegal point of view, you know, you'd really have to ask questions of, of the management, the way they set up. Like, it, it was obvious that Donegal or Derry had had a bit more pace, had a wee bit more legs, and and, and especially the way they played Michael Murphy. Like, Paddy McGuire, you know, he, 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 and not to be unfair to Paddy, but he, he, he looked old beyond his years. He, 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 he couldn't get away from Chris McGuire. They didn't have... Yeah. The legs or the energy up front, so that they should have been looking to try and get that game done in normal time. Because the way it transpired, you could almost see it happening that we're going to get get eventually overrun in, in 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 extra time, which is essentially what happened. What happened, yeah. And I think I think Dick, what was really stood out in the extra time was again like Michael Murphy. He's around a long, long time, uh, and you, you know after seven minutes. 70 minutes of high, you know, not high intensity football. You wouldn't call it that. But even after 70 minutes, you know, him, the matchup with Rogers at that point should have stuck out to the Donegal management as this is a problem. Rogers had been going forward all day, creating, he had kicked three points. He was setting up opportunities. His pace was causing a lot of problems. How they didn't put it, you know, a Hugh McFadden or someone to tag Rogers at that point and stick Murphy back in full forward, or even take him off. Uh, they actually did. Like, I, I was watching it like it was it was like it was players dropping literally everywhere, and you were just trying to. Shane McGuigan went down. Michael Murphy went down. You know, you were you were, you were wondering like, like was it going to be like twelve v thirteen at the end because there's players literally hobbling around, and Michael Murphy did actually go in. But Murphy uh, Rogers kept tracking him, and then in the, in the last couple of days, Rogers just Rogers came out just, of full yeah, back yeah. line, <laughs> and Murphy still was the man that had to track him. Nobody else. He, he, it wasn't a case of right if he goes, somebody else, somebody pick, else him up. pick him up. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was like for, for, it was almost pathetic to watch Murphy hobbling down the pitch trying to track him, and just couldn't physically couldn't that, that nobody else with a fresher legs would, would track the run, and, and those last two plays essentially was was the game in a nutshell. And Michael, what do you make of Rory Gallagher's role in all this from where he 
took Derry on when he came in first. I believe they were in Division 4. He's promoted them up to Divisions. I know they just missed out on promotion to Division 1, but a Provincial Crown will certainly uh, make up for that. It's been an interesting managerial career he's had, and now it's probably its crowning achievement so far. Yeah, it's been unbelievable, Will. I remember being in Crow Park uh, on the eve of the 2019 All-Ireland Final when you put it to Joe Brawley about Rory Gallagher taking over, and he laughed out of the room and said that Derry were going to play a style of football um, that he, that wouldn't be appealing on the eye and that they would win nothing. And he's taken them from Division 4 up to Division 2. I think the fact that Gala beat them uh, convincingly in that Division 2 game kind of... Um, it just quelled a bit of optimism maybe that was around him and left him maybe a bit more under the radar. But, you know, what he's done has been phenomenal. And uh, listen, I, 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 I agree. I, dis- I disagree with Dick, I have to say, because um, I, I wonder what you'd be saying this morning, Dick, if Monaghan had played the way Derry did, but they'd still got over the line, or if Monaghan won in All-Ireland playing that style, I totally understand. But he's kind of, like he's not playing the negativity that there was with Fermanagh. There is a lot more of an attacking uh, impetus to them, but they were trying to uh, they were trying to bridge a twenty four year gap. They don't. They didn't really care what way they had to do it, and they played the game generally on their terms. Uh, and I know what, what Kieran, what you're saying there as well about the, the t- neither team wanted to win an extra time from a, a dairy point of view. They probably really fancied their chances of, of winning in an extra time because they totally had the legs. But I don't listen. It wasn't the greatest spectacle. I don't agree with people saying it was a game of chess and, you know, real intriguing either. But to me, from a dairy point of view, they did what they what they had to do. He took them when they were on the floor and he's built them to in their heads. They now think they're invincible and now think they have a shot potentially at winning all Ireland, even though he's not going to say that openly. So it's it's phenomenal to be honest with you what he's done when he take when he took when he took over, nobody could have imagined that a couple of years later that to be standing in Clonus with Derry uh, as Ulster champions. Um, uh, it might sometimes they mightn't play uh, the most appealing football. At other times they do. They played some great stuff against Tyrone. You have to remember they kicked three twelve uh, against Monaghan as well. Different days you have to play different ways. I think. But he did, he did what he felt he had to do to get over the line yesterday. And I just think there'd be there'd be a serious relief, a release from them going into the All-Ireland stages now. They won't always play that way, but that was the way they felt they had to play yesterday to get over the line. And I I admire that, I have to say. No, I don't. I, I didn't criticise Derry. I was criticising Donegal. Derry played and, 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 and sat out pretty much as they had done against uh, Tron and Monaghan. It's just the first time they had played a team that laid out like Donegal had. So, like... If you remember the last game that was sort of comparable to this, I think it was at the 2017 or 18 Ulster final. Remember it was Tyrone and Donegal. Do you remember that final? And it was it was worse again. And it was Peter Hart hit the, the last minute winner. Because basically both teams set out to play the same way. And when that happens, that's that's the net results. Like, you know, Derry played and Derry were trying to keep men a wee bit further forward. You could see it. They were putting boys in the full forward line. You know, they were they were trying as best as they could, but Donegal set out and, and, and I feel Donegal were probably the, the biggest contributors to yesterday's game in, in, in how it how it shaped more so than Derry because Derry did show a wee bit more ambition to get in over the top and the likes of Brendan Rodgers and boys like that trying um, even Conor Glass getting in, in, in behind to take a few shots at times so I, I, Derry, Derry went out as much as they could with their stall whereas Donegal you know, it's it's you have to be less 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 complimentary towards them. You know, I think I, I think it's it's the Dunny the, the Derry game plan really does dictate the terms 
and it was Donegal that kind of had to change. They knew, everyone knew how Derry were going to set up. And and if you fall into the trap, Derry will get runners ahead of the ball. They'll hitch on the counter-attack. They'll get goals, you know what I mean? But So Donegal, I thought, were afraid of falling into that trap. And, and I think, as Dick said, they mirrored a similar sort of system. And that's what led to the spectacle of, you know, many two, three minutes periods where possession was just possession, possession, possession. Don't get caught in the turnover. Make sure we execute a shot, get the ball dead so you can reset or do whatever you have to do. And 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 that's and, and that's going to happen when two teams mirror uh, the, the tactical approach. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, one area, one area. And I think, I think Derry have, have written their luck in the last two games and it's a bit of a, the way kickouts and possession from kickouts to, dictates a lot of games but again they didn't do well on kickouts their, their, their goalkeeper he hasn't been found out yet but I think of one area he's, he's very suspect he hasn't got a good kickout Sean Patton we know and Rory Began before him so, so Donegal and Monon before them got a good percentage of their own and Donegal turned over a lot of their kickouts but Donegal didn't have a plan to get quick every ball in because there was space even with packed defences like there was times I looked up and it was Paddy McBrarity and Tracy McCabe on their own in 45 metres of space and like Paddy McBrarity just wasn't fit to get, get away from him Donegal should have had some sort of plan to say well, we get these t- kickouts turned over have an outlet have an early ball in and they just didn't use it and, but the, and there was space Yeah, Dick, Dick on that just in the, in the second half like a period, there, was, there was a period when Donegal got ahead yeah. Where they where they got three points off quick transition kickouts, yeah. but Patton didn't. He didn't use the boomer really. I know he was still getting them out quick, but Derry were pushing up at that period, and the only time, the only chance to get at them was when they were pushing up on that kickout. You know what I mean? I thought I thought he could have hit a couple over the top. Uh, he, 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 could have, he could have. He could have. Yeah, and but they were still getting them. They were getting a lockdown main wing a, a few times, and, and they'll be uncovered stand, and then they were looking up and. And there was options. Like I remember one time, it was literally Paddy McBurdy and Chris McCabe in on their own, and and it was a case of like that. That's what a corner forward should be able to do: get out in front, get this long ball in, and take them on. And you're just crying for them to do it. Wouldn't kick the ball in, and it was laboured. And then Derry got the main back opportunity lost. So the game was there for Donegal to win at that stage. Here, and you're right. You know they had there were two points ahead. It looked like Donegal's game to win to push on to be a wee bit ruthless, but they just couldn't get out of that conservative sort of hand-passing game and, and eventually, um, you know, Derry ran them in and, and the rest is history. And Michael, in terms of the All-Ireland Series and in Galway advancing to that side of the draw yesterday after their victory over at Ross Common and with Dublin and Kerry on the other side of the draw who do appear to be the two favourites at the moment, it's very open on the other side of the draw. Obviously, the qualifiers will play out and we'll see who goes into what part of it. But there's a huge opportunity for a couple of teams who haven't played in an All-Ireland final in a long, long time. Yeah, opportunity definitely knocks on that side of the draw. Um, while we're all hoping it ends up Dublin Kerry semi final and that'd be, you know, a mouthwater in prospect. There's loads of opportunities on that other side. You'd say like Galway were last in Ireland semi final in twenty eighteen, but they're uh Dick will remember when Monaghan beat them in Salt Hill, that meant they ended up playing the dubs in the semi final, whereas it looks like it's you know, a far easier passage potentially to a final. They're obviously gonna have to beat some big hitters along the way. But maybe it's set up for a Mayo again to come through on that side of the draw again. Who knows? But there's definitely a serious opportunity there. And you'd be hoping whoever gets to the final that probably the dubs and Kerry will have um 
a few lumps over each other and it potentially could be sitting duck going into a final. Who, who knows? But uh, it's definitely the serious opportunities there. So um, I'd say there's a lot of counties just hoping for a bit of luck in the draw and just get their own house in order, get, keep as many players fit as they can and potentially could um, could have a route to the final there, definitely, without a doubt. From a Donegal point of view, though, you'd wonder, like, after being beaten by Cavan in that 2020 final, they were beaten last year, beaten in the final here again. It's been quite underwhelming the last three years in particular and you just wonder where they kind of go from here we i think we really wanted them to kick on to that next level and be a contender as they were in in 12 and in 14 and obviously in 11 as well but just hasn't hasn't really happened um and i'd say this is probably like unless they do something big through the back door this is probably the end of the road um the end of the road for declan bonner but listen maybe maybe they'll um maybe they'll get things back moving again and they'll be the one to take advantage of a, a potentially softer route on that side of the draw what about galway dick you know that shane walsh had a very impressive performance yesterday i know we've seen him do that a couple of times over the years his goal in particular i think caught a lot of people's a- attention like are they viable all ireland contenders for you do you think given this was the draw that they could potentially be on well if you were taking it a different way who, who's the favorite out of the pack to get to an all Ireland final. And, and, and you'd probably at this stage, you'd have to say go away. Just based on form, fitness, you know, they've got their key man fit, where there's a question mark pretty much over everyone else in there, be it Mayo, Monaghan, Tyrone, um, Armagh, even Derry. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure Derry's style of football when you get to Crook Park is going to cut it. You know, they're, they're going to get, you know, they're going to get found out, but, but they are where they are. So, so yes, Galway are the team out of that pack that you say based on form, should be looking to, to get to a, an All-Ireland final. So if, if it comes to, to, to Val, who's that going to be? Is it going to be a, a Dublin or a Kerry? Who knows? So, so yes. So, and, and, and it's right. It's, like, what an opportunity. There, there could very well be a Roscommon, a Monaghan, an Armagh, Trone, any of those. Like, there's, there's, there wouldn't be three points in the handicap between any of those teams playing each other over the next number of weeks. So it'll be a good man to predict who comes through. And Porrick Joyce after, if you consider where Porrick Joyce was, you know, 12 months ago, he, he, he caught a, a lonely figure in Clonus after being relegated um, and have, then went on to lose, you know, two, you know, two comic finals in a row. Now he's got a comic title in the bag and we're here talking with them, been the favourite team to, to get to an All-Ireland final. Like, like, what a turnaround for him. And and there's a great credit too, like, Paul Joyce is, is a, a bit of a breath of fresh air, I think, as a manager. He's, he's a hugely passionate county man. He's not an outsider. He's very blunt when he has to be blunt about whatever issues it might be, and, and it's great to see. And it can obviously see it's, it's 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 having an impact on his players who are responding to him. And yet, here I suppose, well, there's a lot of intrigue on one side of the draw. The, the performance of Dublin and Croke Park on Saturday as well. Surely, the, the performance of the weekend. Like, how impressed were you with that first half? Yeah, I, I was impressed. Uh, well, I have to say, and, and I was probably reserving judgment on the dubs maybe uh, up to that because. You know, Wexford Division Four team. I thought Mead were awful, um, and and I was really, I wasn't convinced whether they were really back on top of it. But albeit there were extremely naive in how they approached the game, um, and and obviously took far too much out of a league victory in Newbridge, and and felt that they had uh, the ability to match the Dubs man to man in Crow Park in the open spaces and. I really expected 
Kildare to have some sort of balance to their play yesterday you know, or on Saturday, similar to the way Galway kind of set up against Roscommon, uh, where they have good forwards, but you know they would have a couple of guys sitting in protecting that D, particularly that area where Dublin will just pick off scores with ease. And um, I, w- I was hugely impressed with the Dublin inside forward line in terms of their shape, the tree inside forwards played very, very deep. They were literally on the end line um, and pulling three Kildare defenders in with them and they left a lot of space in front of them. Um, and Conal Callan looks as sharp as he's ever looked and Dublin just exposed them badly by getting ball into that space and having second phase runners coming off the shoulder and just absolutely carved them open. Um, so like I was generally impressed with Dublin all over in terms of, I thought defensively they looked solid and look to have a plan back in terms of getting a little bit of extra cover I thought comfort's kickouts were good you know they dominated mid they won the midfield battle and, and particularly up front was where they were I thought they were usually impressive but um expected I have to say expected a lot more from from Kildare um so it was it was a very, very disappointing Kildare performance to turn up as flat as they did. And you could see after obviously 10, 15 minutes, their body language was 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 poor. The confidence was drained out, out of them. And then they started to force shots from difficult positions, similar to what they've done in previous years. So, um, yeah, Dublin are definitely back as contenders, but uh, poor, poor day at the office for Kildare. Just on that as well, there's a willingness from the Dubs now as well. To, to play that kick pass inside maybe that we wouldn't have seen before. There's not as much uh, lateral play even, you know, I know Colm Nally would have called uh, Kieran Kilkenny a style of play. He's a swinger. He's almost swinging the ball from one side of the field to the next. They're much more willing to kick that ball inside. And whereas, you know, I remember against Kerry in the league, Brian Fenton was leaving nearly like a Gary Owen inside. Like they're not doing that anymore. It's a lovely ball. Uh, popped uh, either over the full back into the forward's hands or just in front of the full forward. But as Kieran says there, the naivety of, of Kildare was really hard to believe. To think that, you know, I do think they took too much stock in that league game. To to say that they, they wouldn't have played a sweeper even for the first 10 or 15 and made sure it was tight early doors. Like the game was over after about 15 minutes. And to say it's one thing, you know, an inside forward getting a ball and being able to maybe go at the full back. It's another thing for an inside forward to get a ball and have a lad, you know, racing off his shoulder. There's nobody there standing in front of him. There was no one even tracking Kilkenny for the first goal, which was just a bit bizarre. And I do think we said a couple of weeks ago on Kildare, there's a willingness to attack and they're very attack-minded. But particularly, I'd say, in their half-forwards, I don't know if the same willingness to defend and do that, those hard yards as a half-forward is there. And then even a lot of time, they had defenders in place and big numbers uh, in place up to 12 guys maybe behind the ball, but a lot of guys playing passively and not actually doing anything. They're filling a position, but they're not, you know, putting pressure on the ball. Like, if you if you let Kieran Kilkenny get ahead of steam up, like, he's not going to be stopped whether there's two lads in front of him or not. You have to, you know, you have to block that run after two to three yards. You can't let him get his pace up. And it's just really surprising from a Kildare point of view um, that they were that naive to think that they could take Dublin on as they did. And it, they just ended up with egg in their face. Five goals in 20, it wasn't even half, it was 25 minutes, I think, on the clock, those five goals in. Like, I don't care. Dublin could have played 30 other counties and he wouldn't have done it. Like, there, there's really no excuse for, for, for allowing that to happen. Like, I, I do a lot of work down in Kildare. I was chatting to people down there the day during the week and I was saying, geez, you should have a real cut these boys. You should be confident. But you're, you're almost assuming, maybe that's coming from Ulster and Monaghan, that whatever about having a cut of the team 
that you, you do the dirty work, you do the hard yards to keep yourself competitive and keep it tight because that, that's almost given up here. Whatever about how you're going to play and attack a team, you never relinquish your responsibilities at the back. And if you just watch, you know, as you said, and Michael, the, the, the efforts or half efforts of, of Kildare tackling and tracking. And it's everything. It's, it's about no pressure on the kicker to allow a nice weighted ball inside. No pressure on the on the corner back, on the corner forward. No tracking in the run. Like everything in, in those phases you know, is, is poor from Kildare for, for those goals to go in. And, you know, it was really very, very, very disappointing. And for a Glen Ryan team, you'd imagine if you worked on anything over the last 12 months, that it would be that bit of steel, bit of, bit of, bit of needle to try and not let that happen. So he must be desperately disappointed um, this morning looking back at that. Just on the other side of it as well, uh, like Carmel Hoslo, Khan and Dean Rock were tackling like dogs. Like they were, they would do anything to stop you there, even if it was a foul or just really heavy tackling. They were always making the man turn. You just like that was their that's their first line of defence. Whereas Kildare's last line of defence was still loose and wasn't man to man at times. So yeah, uh, probably uh, very impressive from Dublin. Probably very naive from Kildare as well. But you have to say the Dubs are are taking along nicely and. You know, you look at someone like Lee Gannon, who probably learned a lot on the job throughout the league. Look how comfortable he looked the other night. You know, uh, you know, having seven league games under his belt, and now he's in another another three championship games. They look a lot of them look like different players now, and I think even Con uh, coming back has just made the attack tick in a different way that it just it just wouldn't have it wasn't like that without him. And they all look full of confidence again, and all of a sudden from being in the chase and pack, they look like they're the one to beat again. Yeah, Kieran. Like, how, how close do you rate the top two at the moment in terms of Kerry, who would have come into the championship as you know strong favourites after their league uh, final performance in particular? There were a load of question marks about Dublin, but as Michael says, given how Dublin have played recently, like, do you, do you put them very close as a one A one B almost rather than a one and a two? Ah, oh, Jesus. Well, Kerry are still half favourites. <laughs> uh, oh, like certainly. Listen. It's it's a very very difficult one to to gauge, I suppose, because you know, have either of them really been road tested? Uh, you know, Kerry the other night, like, uh, listen, without, with all due respect to Limerick, it was just a challenge that was way beyond them. Um, and, 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 and Limerick liked to play a possession game and they'd like short kickouts and they couldn't get the ball beyond the halfway line uh, and they couldn't execute any sort of pressure on Kerry at all. And Kerry, you felt, were actually playing in third gear. At times, I thought the Kerry lads even looked bored, if you know what I mean. it was. I'm sure they got much more quality out of the training pitch the last couple of weeks. And that's no disrespect to Limerick. They've had a great year. But uh, so, like Jack O'Connor has set out a stall to be ruthless. He wants to win every game. Um, but we still don't know. You know, they look like they've obviously had a good defensive structure set up. They didn't have to utilise it the other night. Paddy Talia's done good work. They're bringing a lot more physicality to it, particularly in the mid- middle third. And we know what the forward line can do. Um, and Dublin, probably similar. Uh, but I think the challenge for both Dublin and Kerry is when their forward line is going to be denied that space. Um, and I think, you know, there's there's going to be different challenges coming down the line when it, when a team will try and frustrate them. And we know, listen, Dublin are well tuned in, in, in that regard as well. And that's when they do tend to go a little bit lateral and maybe have to mix up that forward play when the kick pass is not on. And Kerry's similar. So I think there's different challenges um, for 
Dublin and Kerry coming down the track. But the key thing is you have to deny them space. And their forwards are so good that if you leave them space and leave them one-on-one, they're going to open you up um, and, and, and do serious damage. Kerry will probably be a little bit disappointed they didn't execute a few more goals maybe um, they were quite conservative they were just happy to keep the scoreboard ticking the other night you know what I mean so they still look to be well ahead of the pack but no one was really not like they're not road tested yet and you can see you can you can see Jack O'Connor was, he came out he was given out about the four week break you know what I mean that's 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 tough you know what I mean? That's the joy of, of an imbalanced Munster Championship. And that's been there for years. And 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 I suppose there's pros and cons to it. Sometimes, I don't know what your view on this stick would be, but sometimes teams come out of Ulster with great momentum when they get to Crow Park and they're really and, and, and they're road tested and they're hard and battled. Other times teams can come out and they can hit a flat patch. Do you know what I mean? Because they've they've ex- they've executed a lot of energy into the Ulster Championship. So it swings and rounds about, you know. Yeah, I always laugh, and that's not it's not a new argument from from Kerry. You know, when it suits them, it's all the lay the the, the, the extended layoff or the lack of competition in Munster is a is a hamper is a, is a damn hard, much harder task to come through, through Ulster and all that. So, um, you know, no 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 tears for for me for Jack. <laughs> they've had 40 years of, of, of walking into uh, All-Ireland semi-finals and quarter-finals so we could talk to them they could go on holidays for a week if they, if they want to kill themselves but Dick, just looking at their schedule so they played Mayo in the league final on April 3rd yeah. so since then until June 27th I think they'll have played Cork and Limerick in competitive games like they probably played challenge matches as well but that's a very kind of light schedule compared to some other teams like if and, and team in the back door could have played two matches between the time Kerry last played against Limerick and a quarter final. it could make things maybe a lot more interesting and, and it has always been us, you know, in reality like Kerry's, Kerry's route to Croke Park has always been softer than anywhere else, you know, and so if, if, if it hasn't been a problem then, and you know, if Kerry wanted to go and kick the door down Croke Park and say been the provincial champ we want a tougher run to Crow Park. I haven't heard those calls been too loud. So, you know, good luck to them. They'll be they'll be coming crying when, they, when it looks a wee bit later. If they want to go and play challenge matches and club matches to fill their weeks, uh, fine. But they're in they're in fine fettle, they're pit panel. They've got nice preparation time now for for uh, a quarter final. That's that's most counties to take that. Yeah, because Kieran, if you look say for Mayo, for instance, they'll have had four weeks to kind of recover from the Galway defeat, get some players fit again. They could have two matches potentially, and then they could have a real crack off somewhere in the quarter final. The schedule might have broken quite nicely for, for a team like that. Yeah, well, like whatever teams come through the two rounds of qualifiers, you know what I mean. And and I think they might get a, I think they get a week off then uh, before the quarterfinals. You know, they be they of course they're going to be in good stead, and that's that's the, you know, that's something I suppose that has been prevalent for, for years. The teams that do get a bit of a run, we've seen Mayo do it a couple of times, you know, in the old format, having to come through four games in five weeks. And it certainly doesn't do teams any harm. We've seen Tyrone win through the back door as well. So uh, absolutely. And I think that's where the, you know, like even Dublin, Dublin are in a similar position. They've four weeks to waste. Like I know they're taking a week off this week, regrouping and come back then and and get a bit of a breather um, and get ready for the quarterfinals. And and we've seen like, you know, we've seen it plenty of times before. The provincial champ- champions can get caught cold by a team coming with momentum. So I think they said it earlier on. There's very very little between a lot. Like the amount of teams that are 
battling to get back into the competition when you've Armagh, Tyrone, you're going to have Roscommon, you're going to have Donegal, you've Monaghan, you've Mayo. Like, there's a lot of quality there that teams that are trying to get to that quarterfinal stage. So the next the next couple of weeks are, are, are interesting. Like, Mayo, you know, I don't know whether the word from the camp, you know, they've still a couple of injuries. They've had time to regroup. Um, you know, is everything okay down there? We'll, we'll find out on Saturday evening and, and Manon be hoping to go down probably and ambush them in Casa Bar. But, um, you know, it, and, and you always got to wonder, they've come back to the well so many times. Um, is there another Is there another fight in them? Um, or, or, or could they get caught um, on, on Saturday evening? So next couple of weeks are going to be very interesting. Yeah, Michael, is there anyone in particular you're looking forward to seeing in the qualifiers how they bounce back from an earlier season defeat? No, probably Monaghan would be one, I'd say, I've been honest with you. And that's why that game this weekend is is so intriguing. Um, you know, Banty, Banty hasn't won an Ulster, sure he hasn't, Dick, um, with Monaghan. You know, and there's been a lot of, there's been a fair amount of hype there between Donny Buckley's involvement as coach and Liam Sheedy's involvement as, I don't know, is he an advisor or whatever. There's They're, they're throwing everything at it um, and probably were, they probably underperformed badly against Derry, you'd have to say, last day. Um and that's that, that's that's an intriguing one. I think the winner that the winner that goes on a run, the winner of Mayo and Monaghan goes on a run. Uh, one of the like Monaghan would fancy their chances potentially of going the back door the whole the whole way through to a, to a final potentially. And obviously Mayo Mayo will fancy the same. So I think that I think that's the game. That's the game of the weekend, and could be a you know it could be a season defining game because I think the winner. The winner has a serious chance of taking taking scalps along the way and potentially ending up um, with a big juicy kind of a prize of an All Ireland final, maybe at the end of it all. Yeah, Dick, I'll give you the last word on that game. So, you know, do you think Monaghan can can produce an upset? You hear mixed messages coming out, or not mixed messages, certain things coming out of Mayo in terms of injuries and different things. So, who knows what what way that, that, that what way Mayo are in terms of Monaghan going down? I'm raging. I have a family wedding over London next weekend, and I've looked at every possible route home, flights, knock everything. But I had to, I had to, I had to knock it on the heads with a kind of pub somewhere in, around Kingston to watch the game on uh, on on Saturday because like it's going to be a serious occasion. Like Monaghan and Mayo have never played in the championship. It's going to be a full house over in Castlebar, Bank Holiday weekend. Like you know, you, you talk about. The new world of, of 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 the football championship in terms of these provincial you know championship games at the right end of the summer. This is a typical example of that. I was in I was in Castlebar a couple of years ago when Donegal went down similar occasion. It's going to be a massive game, huge occasion, be a huge monitoring crowd go down. I really fancy Monaghan. You know, we always unfortunately sometimes don't deliver our best when we're favourites, and there's expectation there, as as might be rightly said against Derry. But on the flip side. We nearly always bounce back and, and contend really well when the backs are against the wall. So I'm expecting a huge performance. I think Mayo, you, you couldn't be getting a better time. Mix right. If Mayo could get over the modern game, they could get a get a bump and, and get a few injuries uh, tidied up to go on a run. But I think it's a great time for Monaghan to be getting them. And I, I really do I really do fancy Monaghan to, to turn them over. I think I think what's I think what's interesting it'd be interesting to see Will how how Mayo approach the game tactically like can you look how, how Galway kind of turned them over and you know Monaghan will you know obviously with Darren Hughes they will they will have a defensive plan in play and Mayo have kind of traditionally backed themselves to, to beat the large majority of teams on the front foot and we saw in the league final how they you know left themselves badly exposed to Kerry and that sort of stuff and just 
you look at the form of some of the man on forwards, you know, McManus and McCarron up there, and they, they'll probably get a lot more space next Saturday than they did against Derry. Um, and they could do serious damage up there. So, you know, a lot of people have kind of maybe criticised James Horn that sometimes he doesn't have a plan B or he doesn't adapt and he may have to adapt on, on a Saturday evening. Well, it's going to be an absolutely cracking weekend of qualifier action. But for now, Kieran Dick, thanks so much for joining us. That's all we have time for on the throw-in this week, but we will be back later in the week with Philly McMahon for another show to discuss all the latest football talking points. In the meantime, you can subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or listen on independent.ie. So until next time, thanks for listening, and goodbye. Goodbye.